Hello, my love. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Single Women's Society. I am your matchmaker, dating coach, and host with the most, Kat Cantrell. Welcome to our little virtual home away from home. I am excited because I have another guest for you for this episode. And I wanted to ask you, I would love to hear more from you and you can just send me a little message. Um, you can contact me cat at the or you can just send me a little message on Instagram at Kit Cantrell. Let me know what kind of episodes you want to, do you want to hear? Do you want more solo episodes? Do you like the guest episodes? I want to hear from you. So make sure and reach out to me because I want to make sure and keep delivering to you what you want to listen to. So, but I'm thrilled and I'm honored to present to you for today's episode, Dr. Duana Welch. And she wrote a book called Love Factually. And her and I have a lot of the same teachings, which is great because here's the thing about dating coaching is that there's not enough of us and there's power in numbers. And even as a matchmaker, I belong to the Matchmaking Alliance, where I'm connected to matchmakers all over the world. And there's, I mean, to me, knowledge is power. And the more we know, we learn so much from one another. And there's, a, I mean, there are enough people in this world who need help. And so I was such, it was such a, an incredible um, opportunity to talk to um, Duana, which uh, is such a beautiful name and it's spelled D-U-A-N-A. But let me give you her little bit of a bio and I'll, we'll jump, let's jump right into it. So Dr. Duana Welch is the original love factually author and coach known for using social science to solve real life relationship issues. She has been a professor of studies in Florida, California, and Texas across 20 years, and has contributed to NPR, PBS, Psychology Today, and numerous other outlets, podcasts, and videos. Her first book, Love Factually, 10 Proven Steps to I Wish to I Do, which I have a copy and it's amazing. And we'll make sure and put all that in the show notes, is now out globally in five languages. It's revised and updated edition released in 2022. Love Factually for Single Parents is the second book in the series specifically geared for finding the right partner, not only for readers, but their families. All Duena's books rely on science rather than opinion to help men and women find and keep the right partner. Doesn't it sound amazing? I'm so excited. So ladies, please help me welcome Dr. Duena Welch to the Single Women's Society. So Dr. Duena Welch, welcome to Single Women's Society. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Kat. It is a delight to be here. And please call me Duena. Everybody does. And you look like Shirley's Theron. I mean, it's um, amazing. You're just beautiful. Gosh. Thank you so much. I should have you on more often. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, that's always, that. that's always an option. It is an option. I am excited to bring your amazing knowledge and your experience to our listeners out there. And, uh, so you are the creator of love factually, which oh, yeah. I love the love, the title love factually.co. And, uh, as I was reading your book, I, as I was saying before we hit record that there's a lot of similarities with, um, our beliefs and, and what we teach and, you were 
disclosing information about how you put your own methods to work. And so I, I'm, I'd love to, we're going to kind of dive into all of that during today's interview, but let's just get started. Like, how did you get into this field, which led you into, because when you, you said, when you wrote this book that you were married, so what kind of, what's the backstory cliff notes version or whatever you would like to share with our listeners? What, where did it all begin for you? Well, it really began when I was 27 in grad school. I was getting a PhD in developmental psychology, which is not what I do now. Mm-hmm. I, I planned to become a professor, which I, I did for, for many years, and uh, to run a research lab, which I also did for many years. And it occurred to me, my love life was going terribly and my professional life was going just great. And I thought, oh, what gives? I mean, I'm not dumb. I'm not... <sighs> women around me are getting paired off. I'm, I'm finding plenty of potential partners, but they're not the right person. And I had had my heart badly broken. So I went to a bookstore mm. because as a nerd, that's where I went when yes, my heart exactly. was broken. And I was looking for something that would take social science and apply it to my life and help me figure this out because the opinions around me culturally and from friends and family, they were not working. They just weren't working at all. And I couldn't find a book like that. And I thought, well, I really really wish that existed. So I started reading relationship science for my own benefit and it worked. And, um, but I didn't have the book written until after I was married. And Mm. actually I've I've written seven books now, two big ones that are available in audio E and paperback, paperback, including the re-release with all new, with updated revised um, scientific findings for love factually 10 proven steps for my wish I do. But my husband at the time, he was really encouraging. He's a great guy. And the first edition has a lot of stuff about him, but he started drinking really heavily and that's a deal breaker. And, you know, we tried to work through it. And ultimately I just wasn't there. There are three things that when people get divorced because of any of these three things, they tend to have a much better life. I call them the three A's addiction, Mm -hmm. adultery, abuse, If any of those things, I'm not saying if they happen once, you're out of there. Right. But if it's chronic and you can't fix it, then these actually are legit grounds for divorce. So we did divorce. And uh, then (laughs) finally, these books that I thought I'd written for other people, I put them into use for me. And uh, I found my partner in seven days. Although, yeah, oh, and he's so adorable. Although he says, well, if you're going to say that, tell him it took me three and a half years, but he didn't have my book. So there. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Um, I always have the saying that for, um, for the women in, uh, in that listen to this podcast and my clients and the women that I've encountered, you know, every no leads you to the next yes. So you know, celebrate those no's. And even though it's been like for him, like how many no's did he go through, you know, to go through, to lead, to lead to you to where ultimately it was a yes. And I, to me, I, I, I feel like women really want to kind of like put it, put it into a box to where they want to know exactly how long it's going to take in order to find someone. And sometimes it can be in situations like yours, where it's like, if they have a clear mindful dating life, I feel that it could be a lot quicker. Don't you agree? I do. I agree with all of that. First of all, um, the idea that all the no's lead to an eventual yes. You know, if if lots and lots of things hadn't happened exactly the way that they happened, I wouldn't have met the, the wonderful man that I'm in love with. He really 
I'm just crazy in love with him. I'm, I'm just so happy we met. I can tell and, by your, your yeah. like, when you talk about him, you like light up. I love it. Yeah. 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 He's, he's delightful and we get along just almost tailor-made for each other. So it's, it's oh. really, really wonderful. And, uh, on the other hand, I'm 53. I would have liked to, I don't believe there's just one person in the world for us. I don't the either. Research right. would indicate that there's a, a right kind of person and there can even be different kinds of people at different phases of our lives. And, um, that said, I would have liked to have known in my twenties, everything that I know now, cause I know so much more now. Right. And, um, because even though no's eventually lead to yes, Look, I've got a client who's 69, who's about to marry the love of her life and never really was in love before. I've got another one in her 70s. I mostly work, of course, with much younger people, but I've had success with people at every phase of adult life. But wouldn't it be nice to not wait till you're 69 or in your 70s? I mean, right. I, I wish that I'd met somebody like Carrie so long ago. Mm-hmm. So I one of the things that really drives me professionally is, Yes, your nose will lead to an eventual yes, but why don't we cut to the chase and get to yes sooner? Because we don't have to, we don't have right. to yes and just hope right. it works. Right. There's science out there and it's it's pretty easy to apply, actually. It's it's not rocket science. It's it's pretty easy to do. Well, let's talk about the science. Let's talk, let's kind of dive into it a little bit. So there's a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you, but in, in your book, Love Factually, I love that you have like a 10 step process in there. And one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of discuss with you, a couple of the myths, harmful myths is what you called them in mm-hmm. the beginning. And it's these myths or these things that, that single women hear. So probably I would argue that single women probably hear these more than, um, single men, but the, do you want to talk to, um, do you want to talk to our listeners about what those harmful myths are when it comes to finding love? Yeah, there are several. One of them is that love is only for the lucky and the few that, that you might get lucky and you might not. And it's completely random and it's not random. Actually, that's what the whole book is about is look, science doesn't say, Cat, if you do this, you're going to find love in exactly seven days. What it says is, if you follow these steps that we know science has proven are helpful, you're going to find love. We don't know exactly when, but odds are it's going to be within a couple of years, sometime in there. Mm-hmm. And you'll find somebody truly compatible. And when you find somebody truly compatible and you and you do the necessary things to keep that relationship healthy you're going to have a great relationship. Even with Vic, who I'm now divorced from, we had, I'd say 10 out of the 12 years we were married were great. I mean, that's not, that's not nothing as they say, where I come from. That's, that's actually when just because things end doesn't mean they were terrible or that they should never have happened. But um, this idea that it's just a crapshoot, it's, that's not true. You can put the odds in your favor. Now the other person does, they're still sovereign in their own life. They can choose to drink. They can choose to, they could still change later on. And I can't say that it's going to work for absolutely forever, but you know what? Usually it does. The odds are that usually it does. And so you notice that I didn't go from being with Vic to, oh, I'm never going to be with somebody again. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that because I know that the odds really are in my favor. I know that expecting love to work out is not, 
it's not Pollyanna-ish. It's not optimistic. It's realistic. Mm. So that's the first thing. And um, another thing is this idea that if you look, you're hurting your chances. Women get told this a lot that, in fact, after I was divorced from Vic, one of my neighbors asked me had, if I was looking to meet anybody. And I said, well, I'm thinking that I will soon. And she said, well, don't look. It'll happen when you don't expect it. I, there is a word for people who wait for it to happen when they don't expect it. And that word is single. And you know, I love that. You, yes. Yes. If you want to be single, awesome. I'm right. all in favor of voluntary right. singlehood, but I wasn't voluntarily single. I, I know that I am meant to be in partnership with somebody that I adore who adores me. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I knew I was going to look, and I knew I was going to put every single thing in my favor that I, that I could put in my favor to find this person. And I looked at her and I said, do you know what I do for a living? And she goes, yeah. And I said, so that's not really true. And she goes, it's not. And I said, look, you met your partner when the two of you were in your early twenties and you were together at work all the time. And you were in an environment where everybody was single. And that is how people can accidentally on purpose meet. But once you're past that point in your life where everyone around you is single and you're thrown together again and again in a situation where you can really get to know each other after that, you have to make effort. You really do. You do. So that's, you know, God, that was the phrase that I think I say in the book, it launched a thousand chocolate bar wrappers for me. I just, that just drove me up the wall. Another one is, um, your standards are too high. You're too picky. Mm-hmm. When what research shows is, okay, if you're picky about height, wealth, education, income, in other words, demographics, maybe even sometimes race. Yeah, maybe don't be so picky about some of that stuff. Yes. But most people actually aren't picky enough about the stuff that really, really matters. Oh my gosh. So true. It's so, so true. Yeah. And even I see that in matchmaking. Mm -hmm. Um, people are very specific on the type, like it's, it's the, the wrapping that they're really particular about and not what's inside of the wrapping. And to me, just like, like you said, like for women, they may be the perfect education level height, you know, physical, you know, their physique, but they can be a horrible person, but she'll make excuses just because of the wrapping and because of what is ideally outside, that's what she is. That's what she's wants. Want, that's what she thinks that she wants in her life. Yeah. And that's another myth. The, the idea that we have to have instant chemistry. If you think back to your really young life, when you were maybe in high school and you would get to know people over time, maybe there was that guy that you didn't think anything about him. He was just a a friend in your friend group or on the periphery of your friend group. And you got to know him and all of a sudden he just looked handsome to you. Mm -hmm. For women, chemistry is a thing that can grow for us. And so, you know, I tell my clients, we're looking for eventual chemistry as opposed to instant chemistry. If you start getting to know this person, you will either you will either tip more toward him or more away from him. Don't expect it right away. What you need to look for right away is somebody who matches appropriate standards. And as you know, from reading the book, I go into quite a bit of detail about what those are and how to actually, even exactly how to assess what those are and and whether this person has them. If, If you screen for that first, 
And then you allow, obviously don't go out with anybody you're actually physically repulsed by, but anything short of that, if he seems to have what you have to have to be happy, give him a chance. Yeah. And he's, I have a, so when my new book out, there are a lot of people who've written reviews of the book and some of them are former clients of mine who said, Oh, I'm going to go and write a review. And one of them was just saying how she, you know, she's so happy today. She's married to somebody she never would have considered before to have a, a daughter. She just gave my book to her 26 year old nanny because her nanny was complaining, you know, I, there aren't any good ones out there. And she said, oh, yes, they are. You're overlooking who they are. Mm-hmm. And in my second book, which is Love Factually for Single Parents and Those Dating Them, I have a series of letters between myself and one of my clients, which obviously I got her permission. I would never tell a story that I don't have permission to tell. I have permission for these, but she let me put her letters in there. And the first letter says, I don't know, Dwayna, you know, I really don't want to go out with them again. Do I have to? I mean, he's kind of small and short and I really like talking to him, but I don't want to kiss him. It just feels like a friend kind of thing. And I said, you talked to him for six hours. Right. <laughs> you like this guy. Now, I don't know that you're ever going to like him romantically, but I know that you have enough in common that you spoke to him for six hours. Right. And I also know that all the people that you went out with before on the basis of butterflies cheated on you. And that your picker has been broken. So what I want you to do is in the absence of physical revulsion, she wasn't revulsed. She just didn't feel like she wanted to kiss him. In the absence of physical revulsion, the presence of liking the person, not romantic liking, just liking, and the presence of all your must-haves that you've assessed so far, it's a green light. The rest you don't know. It will take time to, to figure those out, although not much time. There's a process. It's pretty fast. I want you to keep talking to this guy. I'm not saying only date him. Date other people too, but keep saying yes if he keeps asking. So she did and hit the, I think I've got four of her letters in this book. And the last letter says, I've never felt butterflies like this before. She's madly in love. She's never felt butterflies like this before. She went from friend zone to never felt butterflies like this before. She's, they've been married for years and years now and have children. She's blissed out with this guy. He really loves him. And he is crazy about her. And you know what? The height thing is the thing for about five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so interesting you bring up butterflies because I've had women in my office who are like, I have to feel those butterflies in order for it to be valid. Like if I meet him the first time and I don't have them, then she doesn't even give him a second chance. And I always tell, and I always tell them the butterflies is actually not a good gauge. That's not like your intuition that's <laughs> speaking to you. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. What is, what is your philosophy on that? That women have to have butterflies yeah. this first time. It's funny. I was just, um, I have some former clients who are friends now and I, I see clients all over the world, but I also see them in the city where I live. Mm-hmm. So I was on a hike with this one who says to me, you know, I just feel such a strong physical connection with name a partner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just think that, that having that immediate chemistry is so important. And I, and what do she said, what do you think? And I said, 
I think I've known you long enough to have seen you with other people you had instant chemistry with, and they were terrible human beings. And she's yes. Oh yeah. People forget, you know, that oh, they absolutely happily, forget. once they're happily partnered, they forget what it took to get there. A lot of right. times it's like childbirth. You forget. <laughs> yeah. It, it you totally forget is. the pain. <laughs> you do. You do. Yeah. Totally is. Yeah. So, um, chemistry is what I would call necessary, but not sufficient. Love is necessary, but not sufficient. These are things that the chemistry eventually has to be there. Or there's really no point. You do need to want to touch and be touched by this person that you're choosing. But for women, that doesn't need to happen right away. Right. And if you expect it to happen right away, the downside is, so there's recent research that shows that men find a wide array of women, very physically attractive, whereas women find a very small segment of men physically attractive. Mm. What this means is if you look at a man and you think, oh, there's a snack, all the other women do too. And the biggest predictor of whether a man will cheat is whether he can. It's not whether he's happy. It's whether other women would offer themselves to him. Mm. So this is why my former client who's married to the guy who gives her major butterflies now was getting cheated on all the time. It's not because she was naive or that she picked bad men. It's because she, she is very pretty. She was approached by extremely physically attractive men. And she said yes to them as did all the other women they ever met. Mm -hmm. You're looking for someone who becomes your person. I am crazy in love with my guy. I think I've said that like five times so far. <laughs> and I showed you a picture before we got on here. Yes, you did. you did. And he is handsome. But I have to tell you, a lot of women, even if their partner is empirically good looking, they don't really feel butterflies right away. So another problem with that argument is a lot of women, because we evolved in an environment where we had to find somebody who not only could provide for us, but would. That's our mm -hmm. ancestral prehistoric experience as a species. It takes a while to suss that out. Can he, will he? And so we're not always instantly attracted to the person who can and will provide and protect. Even if they are empirically good looking, I don't get instantly attracted to people. That's not my thing. So I knew empirically that the day he reached out to me, I was like, holy crap, you are empirically way handsome. But that didn't mean he was my handsome. I didn't know that I was attracted to him until yeah. we'd talked about 80 hours. Right. Yeah. So give it time. You know, a lot of women feel so bad about leading him on mm. that they don't give a possible partner anytime they're they're like either i feel the thunderbolt or i don't and for women most of the time it's going to be don't and when when it does happen it's mostly going to be all the other women feel that way too which is an affair risk give yourself more time trust trust the wisdom of your ancestral mothers whose genetic code you're literally carrying with you and it is literally i'm not being figurative about this science has proven it is directing your thinking right and allow that genetic code to help you over time say yes or no. Look, men live in a competitive world where they are used to getting shot down in almost every realm of their existence. They know when they court you, the odds are high that they will not succeed. They mm. know that. That's what their genetic code tells them. If you are seeing someone and your gut says, it just can't work, they will survive it. They will, but 
I'm telling you what, they do not want Mrs. Wright to say, ah, just not feeling it. Just keep passing them by. Right. Yeah. I, to me, it's, it's one of those things where even I always say, even if he just piques your interest a little bit, like even after that first date, even if you're still somewhat interested, even though the butterflies aren't there or that go on that second date, keep it, keep getting to know him on a deeper level. Keep because I don't believe that you can get to know anybody between the first date to the second date. And even maybe even the third date, I feel like by the third date is when you're really starting to dive in and getting to know them on a much, much deeper level. But I feel like, don't you think that online dating has ruined this in a way where it's like people are constant having this FOMO where they're not even willing to explore that even more. So they're like, well, what else is out there? What else is out there? What's next? What's what's next? And one of the things that I try to teach is don't line up five first dates in one week, like go on one and see how that goes. And then if that, you know, figure that out and explore that, what is your philosophy on that? I see a tendency for people online to, and these are going to sound opposite problems, Mm. but I'll explain. So Mm -hmm. there is FOMO, there is fear of missing out what my boyfriend, friend calls infinite Netflix, infinite browsing syndrome. They don't yes. want to know what's on. They want to know what else is on and they never make a choice and you go to bed right. and you haven't watched anything. Right. right. So there's that, uh, especially in big markets where there are lots and lots of potential partners. Um, people tend to feel like there's always somebody else. I don't need to really focus on you because there's always somebody else. Mm-hmm. That said, what happens when people meet, finally do decide to meet somebody often is what I call mini marriages. And you'll remember that from the book that that's tied to attachment style, which is a whole other topic. So yeah, the first thing is fear of missing out Netflix, infinite browsing syndrome, being so afraid of missing out that you don't really look at somebody. And the second thing is mini marriages where people just, when they, when they meet, they focus so much on one person, especially if they're not secure, if they don't have a secure attachment style, which is this whole other thing they tend to get so focused, especially if they're anxious, that is, they don't really expect that whatever partner they get is really going to love them. They're afraid that they're going to want partners more than their partners want them. These, these folks especially tend to do what I call the Vulcan mind meld. They just instantly um, tell everything about themselves. And avoidant people do this to some extent as well. Avoidant people, they know they can get a partner, but they start feeling afraid when the person appears to need them. Mm-hmm. And so they'll create uh, distance in order to feel safe. And um, attachment style is its whole, whole thing, but secure people do what really works. And it, it ties into what you've been saying all along, Kat, which is they'll have a real conversation with you, but you might think, oh, this person's kind of boring. They're not If you are anxious or avoidant, you might think a secure person is kind of boring because Mm -hmm. they tell you true things, but they're at the level of the outer layer of the onion. And like I had open heart surgery 11 years ago. And, and, Mm -hmm. um, when I meet people, that's not one of the first things that I tell them, but but if they say, have you ever had any kind of health issue? I'll say, yeah, you know, I had this, um, this thing with my heart years ago, and it's fully fixed. I don't have any problems anymore, but, Mm. um, but, you know, I wouldn't go into the nitty gritty about all the details of my open heart surgery with somebody I was just meeting. 
Right. Similarly, I, if somebody asked, you know, well, what happened with Vic? I probably, you know, I might say like I did on this podcast, well, you know, he's a really good guy. And, um, over time, uh, he started drinking more and more and that just didn't work for me. We went to therapy, didn't work out, but I wish him well. That's a true answer, but it's not going into, here's everything we did. Here's why I think he started drinking more. Here's what I went through. That's for a lot later in the relationship. Now, what non-secure people, and I don't mean non-secure in every aspect of your life. I mean, people who don't, again, it's, it's worth getting the book just to learn about this. People who don't expect that their relationships are going to be safe, trustworthy, caring, loving, they're, they're scared either that they won't be loved enough or that the other person will need them too much. Mm-hmm. People who have these, these fears specifically about intimate partnerships, they tend to meld really quickly into what is false intimacy. They tell everything about themselves, but it's too soon. And so what happens is they walk past diamonds. They don't know that when they're on a date with this secure person who is um, one author calls them evolution's supermates because they mm-hmm. are secure partners give you everything you need, but they do not sparkle right away. They don't. They're diamonds, but they've got a film of dust on them. You can't see it for a while. This is another reason that I don't want you to go for instant chemistry. Secure people usually do not give you instant chemistry. But I knew even after the first date with Carrie, I knew I liked him a lot. I knew Mm -hmm. I liked him better, but I still didn't know if I wanted to kiss him for sure. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, my partner, Brian and I same. we talked for hours, but it was one of those things, even when we ended the date, he said, you know, he said, no matter what happens between us at the time, he, he's my partner, he's he's in marketing. And I, I owned a business at the time. He's like, no matter what, I want to help you build your business. So even leaving that first date, it's not like we had this in, you know, crazy chemistry. And it was the, the chemistry was really sitting down and like talking for hours. Like that's how it was starting to build and sharing. And then it eventually just kept building after that. It wasn't, it wasn't that we met each other and had butterflies. It wasn't that the, the connection was much deeper and we could tell that it was much deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that that's important. And I usually get a vibe about somebody's attachment style very quickly now. Oh, and I'm just going, uh, you know, um, because of how many people I've worked with, there are online tests that you can take that show it. I would, yes. I would bet money that yours is secure. One of the reasons you were able to see what your partner offered you was that secure behaviors weren't off-putting to you. They mm-hmm. felt safe. Look, for the rest of us, and I say us because I was anxious for a long time. Oh, so um, was I. I. It took me a long time to get to secure, but yeah, I was anxious yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's hard. had a bad experience as a very young adult that changed my attachment style from secure to anxious. Mm-hmm. And now it's secure again. I did a lot of work to make sure that happened. But, mm-hmm. you know, when, when a, a person is anxious, she tends to simultaneously give too much of herself, including sexually to someone who hasn't asked for that and doesn't deserve it yet and be attracted to men who will say yes to that. And she tends to overlook men who really have the qualities that are going to make her happy for a lifetime. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that's actually a big part of what I do with clients is help them find the right person. And not just the person that they think is going to give them butterflies, the person who after they find those butterflies is also going to develop a sustainable relationship where they're genuinely happy, where they have arguments like, 
Um, I'm luckier than you are. No, I'm luckier than you are to have you. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My daughter, um, she, the only time she said that, that she says that me and my, me and my partner argue is, is who loves each other more is what she says. That's the only time that I argue is when we argue who loves each other more, um, which is a great, I mean, that's not really an argument, but I think it's, it's, um, I think it's funny that she, that that was like what she takes from when him and I are, are talking. Um, well, can we, can we talk a little bit about, there's a couple things that I wanted to ask you that, um, in regards to dating. And one of them was texting. This is a huge thing with my listeners. Uh, I have an opt-in of like the texting do's and don'ts, but it'd be really interesting to have that conversation with you as far as my philosophy is, is that especially with online dating to not get into the deep conversations via text, that the deeper conversation should be done via phone or, or face-to-face. Cause I feel like he, it kind of goes into the with you talking about oversharing, we can overshare and text. And I think that that can kind of, it's kind of like a, it like deters. It's like, it's not, to me, it's not a great way to start a potential courtship with someone. So when it comes to texting and relationships, what do what do what is your take on all that? I agree with you hundred percent. And mm-hmm. and I would even take it further. I've seen texting ruin a lot of relationships that could have worked because mm-hmm. when you text something awkward to somebody, you don't have tone of voice. You don't have, there are a lot of things that you could be saying in a jokey way that the other person takes in a way that was completely unintended. Um, it, especially if you don't have a secure attachment style, a lot of anxious and avoidant people create drama that doesn't exist because they're texting. Right. We need to, the only conversations that need to happen over text are at the beginning, hey, I'd like to call you at such and such time. How about it? To arrange a meeting or to arrange a phone call. That's, that's it. And then as you fall in love, to send each other little love notes throughout the day. But all the other conversation needs to be actual conversation. I note that we are not having this podcast over text. Right. (laughs) Right. Now, I do know women's objection to this though. And, and I totally hear them because remember it wasn't that long ago I was dating. I do know it's not like it was a million years ago and I'm just now, you know, I'm telling people to do what I haven't done. I've done everything I ask any of you to do. Mm-hmm. So you want to avoid texting with men. And, and there are a lot of reasons. One is the potential for confusion, but the other is you want to create a tipping point. Men have both a long-term mating program and a short-term mating program, and this comes to them through human evolution. And all men have the potential for both of these, as well as having just one or the other operating. You, if you're listening to this, are looking for the long-term orientation toward developing a partnership. Mm -hmm. Now, I ask you, if somebody says to you, Good morning, beautiful. How many women can he say that to by text in three minutes? I'm going to just answer all of them. He can say it to all of them. He can literally have a separate phone thing where he sends the same message to everybody. If you've, if you've watched the Tinder swindler, that guy's using the same messages. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know if I should watch it. Should I watch it? I don't know. Did you watch it? I, I did. I watched it and I thought, oh my gosh, he's, you know, I, first of all, I thought, 
everyone's going to blame the victims because it's what people do. And I taught psychology for a million years. And sure enough, that's what people are doing. I will tell you, almost any woman would have been sucked in by this guy. Yeah. Because most women are not looking, they don't have high enough standards for the things that really matter. Right. And they have standards that are too high for the things that don't. He had all the things that don't. So, um, so I'm not surprised by what happened. I felt really bad uh, for the women. And then there's that one woman who brought him down and I was just like, you know, high-fiving it, the, the air and jumping up and down and celebrating and what you go girl, you go girl. So I, I actually wound up really loving it, but you know, he was a horrible person and you can see a lot of, a lot of traps, but I will point out those were all many marriages. He escalated those things very, very quickly. Yeah. Big and time these, love bomber for sure. Yeah. These women were not attuned to the fact that a secure man is going to give you the time and space you need to gradually escalate this into a real bond, not a pseudo intimate, false intimate. Um, We're going to pretend we are in love when we just barely know each other. We really don't know each other at all. So Mm -hmm. yeah, big red flag, big, big red flag. Yeah. So, but back to texting, because I I just took that train on a whole nother That's okay. I was there with you. (laughs) We're there together. Back back to texting. Men who you want to create a tipping point where you tip out the players and you tip in the stairs. If you insist on a phone call, the players are going to leave you alone and you're going to think, oh no, I lost him. Look, you lost a guy who just wanted to hit it and quit it. That's who you lost. Right. Men who are looking for a long-term partner want to do the work to secure that partner. Mm -hmm. They want to do the work. So don't do their job for them and initiate texts and phone calls. And this is not being hard to get. My book goes into great detail about the distinction between high status, meaning high self-worth that, that sets appropriate boundaries with potential partners versus game playing. I go into great Yeah, detail. that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you was um, how, because how can you tell when you're giving men high stand, high status signals versus hard to get. Well, this is a perfect segue because when you're getting that phone call, that's a real opportunity for you to be high status. Mm-hmm. I've had women say, oh, men won't, they just won't call. Yeah, they will. You, you're going to tell them that you want a phone call. Right. And that's not chasing them. You didn't say, please call me. I'll die if you don't. You said, you said online, um, after three volleys, he reaches out, you return, he reaches out, you return, he reaches out that third or fourth return up to you. What you do is you say, I'm really enjoying getting to know you here, but I'd much prefer to put a voice with a name. Here's my real name and my phone number. So you can call me and do your homework up front. If you want to, I'd appreciate your real name and your number. So I can put your number in my phone. I'll know when you're calling. Um, I hope to hear from you soon. Smiley face. And then you're done. If he doesn't call you, that's it. Uh, and of course, like I said, I've done all this. Look, some men won't call you. That's because they're scammers. There are a lot of scammers online and they're, they often are using a program and they won't call because they can't, because they can't use a voice. It's not an option for their, the way they do things. Uh, it could be someone who's a player and he just doesn't want to invest that much energy. It could be a combination of these things, but what I can tell you for sure is they could be married. Mm-hmm. None of these things are good though. Right. None of them are good. I promise you the answer isn't good. By doing this, you jettison men who are totally inappropriate very quickly. 
Right. And the only men left, will every man call you? No. Well, most of them call you. No, you don't want to marry every man or most men. You want to find one really great partner. And this will be, take you a long way there. I've actually come to see the whole text phone dilemma as a gift because it used to be you had to do something else to create a tipping point. Now you can do it the moment you meet them. You can right. just say, I'd, I prefer a voice with a, with a name. I look forward to hearing from you on the phone. And if they don't do it, you're just done. That's all it yes. takes. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was funny when I was online, there was this one guy who he, he had reached out and he wanted to meet right away. And I said, I would prefer um, a phone call first. And uh, here's my number, my name. He gave me his number, his name. I said, great. He said, okay, I'll call you at six. Didn't call. I didn't let it wreck my day. I just, you know, went on about my time because about my life, because I know what I'm doing is creating a tipping point. And I'm not particularly interested in somebody till they've reached at least past that first tipping point. I was not invested at all. Mm. But a few days later, I got an, uh, another message on the site from him saying, tell me again why we haven't met yet. And I said, probably because you said you would call me and then you didn't. And he said, oh, I'll never understand women. And I thought, probably not, not my problem. <laughs> you know, yes. I, uh, I was on there, of course, when women say, well, what if the guy, don't give me your real name. What if he looks you up? People. My books are out in five languages. Mm -hmm. I have been on what four 24 hour days worth of podcasts at this point, something like that. I have the first name Duena. I'm the first Duena who comes up in the whole world when you just type it. The second someone has my name, they know who I am. If right. I can do it, you really can do it. Block mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing. If it turns out you don't want to deal with this person, block. Right. You know, if they're a nice person before you do that, you can say, I was, in, I, I've enjoyed getting to know you. Thanks so much for your time. I've realized it's just not going to work, but I wish you all the best in your search. But if they get creepy on you, just block. Yes. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And it's not your job to convince them or to change them or to mm -hmm. make exceptions or make excuses. Like the moment you get that first initial, I mean, I always say like the moment you meet someone that is when they're, they're, they're like their best because they want to impress you. Right. So it's like, once you have that initial meeting, if you're already getting mucked, mucked, things are getting mucked up. They're, they're not communicating well. Like these are all huge signs that you shouldn't make excuses for. And you should, that's why I do the same thing. Phone call. Got to have that phone call and then phone yeah. call to date. Cause it's the texting back and forth for weeks and weeks and weeks. No, thank you. And it escalates Who has time for that. Of, yeah. And it escalates a sense of intimacy. That's not warranted. You oh, know? absolutely. If when, when people text there's research on, excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. I'm allergic to something today. When, when people text, there's this, there's research on how quickly people expect to be responded to. Mm -hmm. given various forms of communication mm -hmm. and people expect you to return their phone call. Like within a day, they expect you to uh, return your email within several hours. They expect to return on a text within sometimes moments. Yeah. Which means that you as the woman are now on an electronic leash with somebody who doesn't have a right to know what you're doing with your time. Right. You don't even really know him. So it, it makes things too easy for players. Do yourself a favor on so many levels. 
say you want a phone call. If he doesn't give it, move on with your life. Look, if when a man thinks, I know that I know what women think because I'm a woman who works with people all over the world. And because I know the science, women think that men don't really want relationships. They think that they're just looking to score. The data don't support that. The data right. show that men are just as interested in finding a life partner as women are. Right. And if they've been married before, they're even more interested in it than women are. Right. So just not the case. Um, you know, when, when you, when you set a tipping point, when you set a boundary, like, you know, I just don't have sex until I'm in love with somebody. They're in love with me. I can tell through their words and their behavior. And they've asked me to be exclusive. Plus we get STI tests. I said that whole thing <laughs> to men who made it past the initial screen. Right. And I said it on the first call mm -hmm. again. Who is going to leave over that? Not the man who's looking for Mrs. Right. Men are looking for the right partner. They like that woman because she's not going to put in. We all come from cave times uh, emotionally, and we're not usually um, cognitively, consciously aware of this. But what's going on in the background is his program is saying she won't put my genetic line at risk. She's a good bet for a permanent mateship. Now, the guy who's playing, he hates that. You've just told him he's never getting anywhere because he's not going to be in love with you. He's not going to say those words. He's not going to do the things that add up to love. So he's going to stop talking to you. Good. Right. Right. Saves so much time and energy. Off you go. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, I, Duena, I've loved our conversation today. I can't believe how quickly it went. Can you tell our listeners where they can purchase your book? I think you give you have some um, free chapters that they can download, right? I do. I've got free stuff and I don't even make you give my, your email address to get it. There's literally no cost at all other than the time you spend deciding if you like it or not. So you can go to love factually, love factually with an F.co. And you can see my books and free chapters. And there's a free workbook that goes along with the single parents book and uh, you can get all that stuff. There's a link directly to where to buy audio e and paperback if you uh, decide that's what you want to do. And there's a link to email me as well. I answer all my email for free. Um, I have clients all over the world. I do individual sessions, whatever technology people want to use. And uh, I meet as often or as rarely as they want. There's no, nobody gets locked into a contract. Um, I love what I do so much. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm just, I'm grateful to be able to do it another day. I've got a stack of baby pictures and wedding announcements and um, anniversary cards and letters that say, I'm text messages that say, I have the very best life. And I, I just love it. So, you know, if, uh, if you want to hear from, if you want to hear back from me, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And the, you, I'll put, I'll make sure and put these links in the show notes along with, you do have a, a like a little 15 minute call too, that they can set up with you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I want people to feel like a lot of people, once they hear me on the podcast, they think, oh, you know, it's not going to be this cold clinical thing where with a person <laughs> with no personality who just says, go do that. Right. Um, my voice usually sounds better than this. I'm, I'm allergic to something in the air right now, but 
but I want people to feel really comfortable with the decision to even meet with me for a full session. So yeah, I'll talk with them for free for up to 15 minutes and no obligation anytime. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It was such a pleasure getting to know you and, um, go buy the book. If you're listening to this, go buy the book, at least download a couple of chapters because they are amazing. So thank you so much, Duena. This has been thank such a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I love meeting matchmakers who are doing it right. That's why I reached out to you and, uh, and I'm just delighted to be on show. Thank you so much. Wonderful. You're welcome. All right, my loves, wasn't that an incredible interview? A huge thank you to Duena for coming on the show. Her and I had such beautiful conversations before and after the recording, and I'm hoping to bring her back. So if you want to know more information about her, go to lovefactually.co where you can download a couple of chapters of her book completely for free and you can find more information about her services and i will also put a link down below in the show notes so you can schedule your own 15 minute free call with her now i know my love that you could be anywhere else and so thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode if you are listening on spotify or apple Thank you so much. Please, if you can, please make sure to rate and review this episode because the more you give us reviews and ratings, the more women can discover us. And so thank you so much. And if you're watching on, on YouTube, hello, what's up? Please make sure to like, subscribe, follow, and click the bell. So every time there's a new episode uploaded that you are the first to know. And if you're over on Instagram or on Facebook, Come and follow me, please, at Cat Cantrell. All right. Thank you again for being here. Make sure and contact me and let me know what you think. I want to know more about what type of episodes you want to listen to. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary as a single woman society, and I'm so excited about it, but stay tuned for more information. And I do have a little special little giveaway. So if you want to contact me, on Instagram at Kat Cantrell, send me a little message and I have a special little love exam, a three-part love exam, which will completely change your dating outlook. If you want some of that, just contact me. All right, my love. Thank you so much for being here. And remember, true love is waiting for you and I will see you next time. Bye.